0: You're listening to
1: Ask the Expert
0: on Sprott Money News.
1: Well, hello again, everyone, and greetings from SprottMoney.com. From Sprott Money News, this is your weekly wrap-up for Friday, November the 18th, 2016. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual is Eric Sprott. Eric, good day.
0: Hey, Craig. Uh, Good morning, and uh, another interesting week for us to try to figure out, so let's get at it.
1: Yeah, you know, gold and silver really went in the tank last Friday after we spoke, uh, but they've hung in there uh, for the most part this week, even though uh, the markets have been going like crazy. In fact, the currencies have just been madness. The dollar index has broken through a 100. The dollar has had its biggest two-week move versus the Japanese yen since 1983. It's had its biggest two-week move versus a euro ever. What do you make all of this, Eric?
0: Well, I always find it very, very ironic that the currencies are more more volatile than anything else, which is not supposed to be what currencies are all about. Uh, but, you know, we've had a bigger move in the yen dollar than we've had in the markets, and perhaps even in the gold price. Uh, but the fact that these currencies can be as volatile as they are, and that the, the story changes from, you know, W- one group of months to another group of months and it's you know it's a strong dollar because we're going to have trunkflation and then it's going to be a weak dollar because uh, uh the economic data is lousy and uh, this ebb and flow of supposed um information and advice that seems to reverse on itself i mean just think not that long ago the again was the strongest thing around and there was some uh a uh, safe currency and now it's getting better and it's amazing how the, the story keeps changing and it changes in in almost everything whether it's interest rates in the stock market the economy and who's going to do what to whom it's very difficult to uh, to try to keep a, uh, a sane approach to uh, some kind of medium to long-term thinking because most of it uh, it doesn't seem to be operative in the market these days everything is very short-term and you know, one day uh, the British pound is weak, and then next thing you know it's the strongest thing around. It's it just uh, some chaos in, uh, in the currency markets for sure.
1: I would think for a multinational company that's trying to hedge all their currency exposure, they've just got to be pulling their hair out.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just don't know how you do it. I think of the, you know, we think our job's kind of tough as uh, getting involved in uh, precious metals, which it is tough because it's so damn volatile, particularly stocks but to think that some of the currency moves that people have had to deal with is, is is just as staggering. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whether it's it's even a Canadian dollar or the Indian rupee or the Indonesian rupiah or the, the ruble or whatever. I mean, these moves are, they're monumental over short periods of time. Yeah. So I I don't know how any, how do you plan to, where am I going to build this plant? You know, like you're supposed to make a decision for 10 years and a currency can can be ten percent volatile in a three month period, and it makes it very very difficult. Almost forces you not to do anything. Strangely enough, because you can't really hedge that sort of thing, and you don't know how these markets are likely to act, which is the biggest problem. And when I say the markets likely to act, I in, in the back of my mind, I think you know there's a group of people who have the biggest stake in the markets, which is the banks. And in a lot of ways, I suspect that they make the markets do what they want it to do so that they can just run the table every now and then. You know, one time it's a dollar's week, and you run the table. And the dollar's strong, and you run the table. And because of your relationship to the mainstream media and the, and the business news networks, you just get the discussion to go the way you want it to. And, uh, you know, you, you just clean the table every now and then. And that's why the volatility absolutely works for the banks here. And and I say that with particular reference to, of course, precious metals.
1: Well, let me ask you about this. I wrote this week on my site an article about uh, the pressure that a rising dollar puts on the Chinese yuan and and the other emerging market currencies and their bond markets. And we haven't seen this play out yet in the equity markets uh, with a sell-off like we have in August of, of 2015 and January of this year. But, uh, could you just kind of explain to folks how that trickles over to this this strong dollar? How that impacts some of the emerging markets?
0: Sure. Well, first of all, I read your article very carefully. By the way, and I, it was a great article. Thank you for putting it out there, oh, uh, which sort of suggested as as the uh, yuan weakens that that you have to watch uh, what's going to happen in equities. And of course, the strong dollar uh, it, it works to everyone's discredit. Right? Everybody else is doing poorly. And uh, the U.S. is doing well because inflation, you know, if you have a strong dollar inflation in your own country is going down, the inflation in every other country is going up. And um, and of course, the value of the purchasing power of the assets is going down. Uh, if your currency goes down too far, it lets someone come into your country and buy something at an inexpensive level. So it changes the the uh, the, the ebb and flow of the game by the movement of the currency. So, uh, but ultimately, a dollar, anybody, it seems most people don't want a strong currency because a strong currency carves you out of a market. So if, for example, the yen uh, depreciates 10%, it makes, theoretically, Japanese cars 10% cheaper, mm-hmm. which isn't good for a U.S. auto manufacturer. Uh, same thing with the yuan. If the yuan weakens vis-à-vis the dollar, uh, Chinese goods are cheaper, uh, so it doesn't help uh, a U.S. manufacturer. So having a strong currency is, uh, in the very short term, it, it's a negative because it just changes uh, the economics of producing in that country if your currency is too strong. So ultimately, to your point uh, of the uh, yuan versus um, the dollar, it is likely that if people gave it some thought, it's not a great thing for U.S. manufacturers to have a strong dollar and ultimately it would have an impact on the value of those securities in a negative way.
1: Now, you were one of the first people to point out a couple of months ago through this weekly conversation, that some changes in Bank of Japan policy, how they wanted to start... Pumping up their long end to ease some of the pressure on their pension fund managers and and others trying to reach for yield in Japan. And in the time since Eric, the moves in the bond markets around the world have been historic. And the Japanese bond market, the German bond market, and here in the U.S. we've gone from two ten on the long end all the way up to almost three ten in the last four months. Right. Uh, that's that a trend that you think will continue into 2017?
0: Well, I think one of the the ongoing legacy problems that we have that no one ever deals with is the pension shortfalls. And quite frankly, it was Corotta way back then, a couple of months ago, said, well, you know, I'm hearing complaints from companies that with this zero interest rate policy on on longer-dated securities that the pension fund assumptions they're allowed to use have to come down, i.e., what's the annual return you're going to get at the ten-year Japanese bond yields nothing, and, and 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 by changing the actuarial assumption on your return for your pension fund, the company had to put more money in the pension fund. And he, I think, he probably uh, heard from a lot of uh, companies saying, "Hey, you got to get this to reverse itself; otherwise, it's going to start costing us a lot of extra contributions to pension funds." And Craig you've looked at this as I have many times these pension funds are so underfunded mm-hmm. and it was a story about Illinois that I think Illinois was something like 39% funded 39 and the cost to the, to the government is going to be something like 8 billion uh, a year to, to the um, Illinois uh, government just to get back to proper funding like 30 years from now and that still probably assumes seven and a half percent return on assets that nobody gets anymore so the whole funding thing is like in my mind it's just a huge tsunami that's gonna overwhelm everybody um, and then kuroda obviously between the savers the pension funds the insurance companies the banks they're all complaining then income the corporations say oh by the way it's killing us too so maybe this is not the best policy and all of a sudden, the Japanese rates started going up. And then now we see rates around the world going up, uh, both the short and long end. And uh, I suspect that to get us out of this problem, the un- unf- underfunded problem, rates have got to normalize somewhere along the line. Uh, you know, we've got to, it's funny using the word normal, right? Sure right. to goodness, we should be in a normal world someday. <laughs> but we're not. Nope. We're in a very abnormal world. Uh, which, which can't last much longer because of all the unintended consequences that uh, we face every day.
1: Well Now, Eric, a lot of this move uh, in the U.S. Treasury market has come just in the last week and a half. In fact, the day after the U.S. election saw the biggest one-day move in the U.S. Treasury market in history. And we talked a little bit last week about you know, whether there might be some state actors involved, some sovereign actors that could move a market the size of the Treasury market to such an extreme in one day. In this time since, we found out that the Chinese sold as much as maybe $14 billion in treasuries last week. They're already down at their lowest level since 2012. If, in fact, the narrative is different, instead of this being Trumpflation and inflation expectations that's driving this bond market sell-off the last 10 days, if instead it's the Chinese and the Saudis that are dumping their treasury reserves, how would that instead change the narrative, Erica? Would that would that make maybe more QE likely in 2017 sure. rather than rate hikes?
0: And, of course, uh, you're referring to the, probably the biggest holders in treasuries, the Saudis and the Chinese. But I would think that many countries where things are not going well are sellers of U.S. treasuries. I mean, I'm sure Venezuela doesn't hold a U.S. treasury, okay? That's long gone because mm-hmm. when you have problems, you sell acid, You sell those liquid assets. And and it's not just Saudi Arabia. The, everybody in the oil industry who's under the gun here uh, would be a seller of treasuries. So, yes, it is important to watch what other actors are forced to do. I and mean, really, it is, I think, being forced. And uh, China, in a way, one might argue they're not forced. But, you know, if you're trying to defend your currency, you've got to sell U.S. treasuries in order to to fund yourself. So yes, in a way they are being uh, forced to sell and it can uh, cause a more permanent uh, readjustment of rates in an upward bias, which is exactly what we're seeing here. And maybe we're taking it out of the hands of the Fed uh, because the Fed either has to like start re-monetizing again. And I just can't even imagine what would happen if we say, well, we're going to go the Japanese route again. Because we obviously saw what the Japanese route did, that they have been doing for whatever number of years it is, 20 or 30 years, it doesn't work. And it's not not working here either. Um, But yeah, we could be back into uh, the Fed having to uh, come in with uh, QE4 uh, of perhaps even larger proportions. And we're sort of seeing that. We had that uh, decision out of Japan uh, yesterday, I think it was, Uh, Okay, fine, we'll buy all the bonds that you want to offer us at this interest rate level, which is really the the central bank putting the hammer down and saying we're prepared to go to whatever lengths it takes to keep rates from going up. So there's your first tip-off at central banks. That's what they're prepared to do, and it doesn't matter whether it makes any sense. In the long run, they are prepared to do that.
1: Uh, Eric, our last topic this morning, we have to address what uh, has been happening on the ground in India this week after Prime Minister Modi just uh, declared by decree without warning that some of their fiat notes were not going to be legal tender in the next 12 hours. Now there's been a scramble on the ground. Uh, There have been reports that, that gold on the black market is exchanging hands at two or three times the global spot spot price and desperate people trying to find anything that they can uh, preserve their wealth in and and maybe barter with, stuff like that. What do you make of that situation?
0: Well, you know, I find it shocking that, uh, by the way, these weren't high-value notes we're talking about, right? Right, right. They were like $7.50 and $15 effective notes. And, I, I mean, it just so chaotic. It's like some guy sitting up in his ivory tower saying, well, we're going to kill the black market. We're going to do this. And meanwhile, he forgets that there's a million guys driving trucks who have to put gas in and have to buy food and do uh, pay for a motel room or whatever overnight. And they got no money.
1: Yeah.
0: and They just abandoned their trucks. And it's like how this has been so poorly thought through, you can't. It's like trying to run a, a an engine with no oil in it. You know, you need you need to have a currency that people can transact in. And the think that you have to go down to, imagine if we had in in the U.S. had to get rid of 10 and $20 bills. I mean, mm-hmm. what, how the hell would we operate? Yeah, You know, yeah, they want us all to use the uh, debit and credit cards, but there are times when you need cash, you know, and, like, it's just chaos, if we all had to walk around with, you know, wads of $1 bills. I mean, my goodness, we'd have to get oversized pants all the time. <laughs> It'd be crazy. So, anyway, it's just mass chaos in India. Uh, it's it's hard to say what the the final result will be for gold because, you know, the farmers uh, probably, how, you, how are you even going to sell their crops and plant their crops? and uh, It's just, it's hard to imagine anybody, any government being so ridiculously, um, inopportune in, in the sense of changing the rule like that and not being prepared to have something else that can replace it at the ready. So uh, it could be devolve. And, uh, you know, I thought when Modi came in there it might have been goal positive. I, I certainly don't think that now. I don't think he's been goal positive for one second. Uh, and, and thinking that, people coming into power, I thought that maybe when Trump was going to come in that it would drain this swamp. I worry about the non-draining of the swamp. I don't know whether that's going to happen. You see all these political appointees, and you kind of wonder, you know, where, where is it all going to end? I mean, I'd prefer to see the, the swamp drain, but we're taking people that were in the swamp and putting them back in the swamp. So we'll have to hold our breath on that one.
1: Yeah, and if, if anything, the, the Indian announcement shows that the government can decree whatever they want, enforce it on its citizens <laughs> at a moment's notice. You know, we've talked about owning... It's incredible. And, and, and we talk about owning physical gold and silver for just type, those type of situations. This proves the point, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. Well, I was just thinking of people in India. You know, I think anybody who, who held on to gold has done well. I can think the rupee's gone way down, and uh, you still have it in your hand, and, it, and it's useful. Whereas that, that piece of paper you have in your hand that was a high-value note, it's not useful. In, in fact, it's totally lost its value as at some date. So, yeah, it's going to turn more people to gold for for certain who would see the long-run benefit of having things within your own destiny.
1: Maybe Modi is uh, gold positive indirectly, Eric.
0: Indirectly, yeah. I'm sure he's not trying to be, but he he might be uh, turning the tide for us.
1: Again, if anything augurs the uh, physical accumulation of gold and silver at stories like this, you can do that at SprottMoney.com. We encourage everybody to stop by there on their way out. Eric, thank you so much for your time again this morning, and I look forward to speaking to you next week and seeing what the world has in store for us.
0: Okay, Craig. All the best to you, too.
1: And from all of us it's SprottMoney.com and Sprott Money News, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.